The status of women in ancient China was relatively low, either socially or politically, compared with men. But in the world of traditional Chinese mythology, women's status is much higher and often has great power. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. In our previous episode, we visited Cave 285, the earliest cave to be precisely dated in Dunhuang, which was built between 538 AD to 539, the first boom time for Buddhism in China. Cave 249, which we're going to discuss in this episode, is remarkably similar to Cave 285 and was built in the same period. This cave is famous for its murals depicting mythical figures in Chinese mythology. Among them, there is the most powerful female deity. Cave 249 also has a truncated pyramid ceiling with murals painted on the four slopes. This was the new fashion of the time compared to the central pillared style prevailing earlier. When you walk into this cave, you will be presented with a fantastic, mystical world where Buddhist images are accompanied by immortals and gods from Hindu and Chinese mythology. It looks like a grand gathering of gods, demigods and magic animals of various cultures and religions. You can regard the murals as a Hollywood-style magical blockbuster. Now, let's meet the major characters one by one. The first protagonist is on the west slope of the cave. The four-eyed and four-armed giant at the center is the king of Asuras. In Hinduism, the Asuras are a class of beings or power-seeking clans. They are described in Indian text as powerful superhuman demigods with good or bad qualities and were later converted to Buddhism as guardians of Buddhist law. In the painting, the king of Asuras is unusually tall. He is holding the sun and the moon and standing on the ocean with his legs, below the knees, partially submerged in the seawater. Above him are Mount Sumeru, the cosmic mountain, and the heaven gate. Beside the Indian deity are the four gods of weather in ancient Chinese mythology, namely the god of wind, the god of thunder, the god of lightning and the god of rain, all of which are animal-headed. The god of thunder has a tiger head, human body, bird claws and a pair of wings on his back. He is beating on a circle of connected drums. The ancient Chinese believed that thunder was caused by the god of thunder beating drums in heaven. Similar in appearance, the god of lightning is holding an iron drill representing a thunderbolt. On the east slope of the ceiling are two wrestlers holding the Mani Pearl, a wish-fulfilling jewel and a metaphor for Buddha's wisdom. Sounds familiar? Yes. We already mentioned this magic pearl in Cave 285, and if you listen to our previous episode, you will know that it is accompanied by two serpent-tailed immortals. 
the first ancestors of humans who also represent respectively the sun and the moon in Chinese mythology. Beside the two wrestlers, you can find two of the four Chinese beast gods in charge of the four directions, east, west, north and south. They are the vermilion bird of the south, which looks like a phoenix, and the black tortoise of the north, which is often depicted as a turtle entwined together with a snake. Also on this slope you can find a multi-headed mythological creature called Kai Ming Shu in Chinese. There are creatures with 13, 11 or 9 human heads on tiger bodies. Some suggest they might be the gods of heaven, earth and humans respectively. If you like the Warner Brothers movie Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, you would be excited to find out that the murals here are exactly like an ancient Chinese version of Fantastic Beasts. Now the leading female is ready to arrive. The north and south slopes of Cave 249 depict two immortals travelling in heaven escorted by a procession. The one on the south slope, riding in a chariot drawn by phoenixes, has been identified as the Queen Mother of the West, who existed in Chinese mythology a long time ago and is one of the most powerful goddesses. She is in charge of punishment and plague and can bestow immortality. The Queen has her hair up in a high bun and wears a long robe with long sleeves. There are deities riding phoenixes leading, accompanying and following her. The queen and the deities were painted to reflect the ideal Chinese standard, tall and slim, demure and feminine, a popular figure painting style of the time. The whole picture appears colourful and elegant. The portrayal of fluttering clouds, flags and ribbons help to create the noble and mysterious image of the Queen Mother of the West. In Chinese folklore, the Queen Mother of the West is probably the most powerful goddess in heaven. Legend has it that she has an imperial peach orchard where the juices of the fruit of the trees gave immortality. The goddess will reward her followers with eternal life but punish those who angered her. On the north slope, just opposite the Queen Mother of the West, is the King Father of the East. His status is not as high as his female counterpart in Chinese mythology. But here in the mural, he is surrounded by various mythical characters and riding in a chariot drawn by four dragons. According to Chinese legend, the Queen Mother of the West and the King Father of the East rule the east and west heavens separately and meet just once a year, but are not clearly described as being husband and wife. In some versions of the Chinese myth, the two created humanity through their union. Their images started to become popular in China's Han Dynasty from 202 BC to 220 AD, reflecting people's yearning for eternal life. If one can see them, it means one has attained immortality. This explains why they appeared in the Buddhist cave. It must be said that there are still some disagreements about the two figures. Some scholars suggest these two figures are actually Indra and his consort. 
Indra is an important god in Hinduism and was assimilated into Buddhism as chief in one of the many heavens. No matter exactly who they are, there is no doubt that we can find many gods and monsters of traditional Chinese myths in the murals of Cave 249, which reflects the integration of Buddhism with the local Chinese culture in the process of its eastward expansion. At the bottom of the ceiling slopes, just above the walls, are pictures of landscape and hunting scenes. Various forest animals are depicted here, including bison roaming leisurely and eating the grass, a rhinoceros with its neck stretching out and howling, and reindeer running up the hill. You can also find a greedy jackal trailing behind a goat with crooked horns, and there is a ferocious hungry wolf blocking the way. The vivid forest and hunting scenes constitute a harmonious space where heaven, earth, gods, humans and animals coexist. There is another interesting point hiding in the vividly portrayed hunting scenes. On the bottom part of the north slope of the ceiling, there is a hunter on a galloping horse, turning his body back to shoot behind himself. This posture is classic, but it originated from a place outside China. It is known as the Parthian Shot. Parthians were an ancient Iranian tribe. Parthian cavalrymen usually shot at the enemy while retreating, or pretending to retreat. The Parthian Shot was a military tactic made famous by the Parthians. This scene was prevalent in Persian art of the time, but here in the Dunhuang murals, the painting technique used was typically Chinese. The combination of exotic figures and poses with a Chinese painting style is quite prominent in Cave 249. For example, around the top edge of the walls are musicians performing in Heaven's Balcony. One is energetically blowing a conch shell. Another is gently playing a lute. Their darker skins, costumes and poses indicate that they are from Central Asia or India. Again, the figures have thick, bold outlines, which is a distinctive Chinese painting style. In AD 581, Yang Jian defeated all the other kingdoms and united China. He founded the Sui dynasty and was called the Emperor Wun of Sui. We usually divide the construction history of the Dunhuang Mogao caves into three main periods. The early period is from 366 until the founding of the Sui dynasty in 581. Just before the conclusion of the first building period, another absolute jewel of a cave was built in Dunhuang. This next cave, numbered 428, was the largest cave ever built until then, and it contains some astonishing images and information which are all part of the amazing stories of Dunhuang, the largest Buddhist art gallery in the world. Special thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and San Liang Zhongdu for contributing to the content of this podcast. If you like the show, do give us a five-star rating or a review. 
I'm Graham Stevens. See you on the next episode of Why We Love Dunhuang. <laughs>